Welcome everybody. This is BMP Weekly. Welcome to 2023. Now it is episode 192. It is the end of January 2023. Um, and uh, we're back from the holiday break. Uh, seems like it's it's been a while. I think I guess it was three weeks, wasn't it? I yeah, I think so. Uh, we've been away. Like we last episode, we did last episode last year. So it's yeah. been a year. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how the math works, right? <laughs> well, we, last episode was in 2022. Now it's 2023. It's a year. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. true. That is a year later. That's actually a good point. Anyway, good to be back. Um, and it's it's actually it was an awesome few weeks. Uh, I was working throughout the holiday season, and not that many incoming messages. It's actually absolutely brilliant because they say it's time to do the stuff rather than answering <laughs> on incoming questions. So <laughs> now the system. Last week, uh, we already chat about this one with some of the some of the friends close working close by. Uh, you can immediately see last week when most of the people came to work. This we're in this chaos mode already because the people who were on vacation, well-deserved vacation, they come back and they're like, oh my God, there's so much to actually catch up and now we need to start executing and then, yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not seeing any of that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Maybe it's an organizational difference. So I saw that in, in a few few reactions, but um, so it's good. So anyway, uh, today uh, we do have a visitor on the show. Who's the visitor? Albert John Scott. He is one of our MVPs. He didn't know for how many years, seven or eight already, so time flies. And yep. we talked, or we're going to talk, or we talked, um, about Fusion Development Power Platform. Is it or is it not? And a great space for partners. Why would you care? Why would you, if you build apps, why would you care about integrating them with Microsoft 365 and Azure? So if you're interested in all of that, and if you're with us, I hope you are, tune in to do the interview. <laughs> that was clearly really well scripted. You have this line on on all. <laughs> yes, I've got my note card here. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Cool. Uh, anyway, let's jump on the on the interview right away with Epi, and then come back on the weekly articles, which are a bit longer than a week this time. But you know, we'll come back. Welcome, Epi, uh, joining us on the BMP Weekly episode one hundred ninety-two. And before we actually get to the topic of this week, uh, so you've been actually on the show. Yeah, I've, I've well, been. you have the number somewhere around. I think this is my third time. It doesn't matter. But can you do a quick recap right. on who are you and what I do for a living? And, and then we'll move forward from there. Sure. Uh, Albert Jan, everyone calls me Appy. So let's uh, let's do Appy. Uh, I'm from the Netherlands. So I'm an MVP, I think, for seven or eight years, I guess. Like, long time. Enough that you don't count yeah. anymore, right? Yeah, so. yeah. Time flies. Yeah. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. Um, I work at Bliss, uh, Bliss Digital. It's a company in the Netherlands where we focus on building cool stuff with Azure and M365. So that's me in a nutshell. And you've been on a show number 10 and number 79. Ooh. Okay, it's been a while. So... It's been a while. <laughs> As we said, time flies. Yeah. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. Absolutely. Now, now you said let, let's actually start from a work side. You said that Bliss does uh, cool stuff for Azure and Microsoft 365. Not forgetting, but of course, Power Platform. Uh, what does that mean in practice? What is cool stuff? What, what does a cool? What but, defines as a cool stuff? <laughs> so what we do is we build software for customers. Like well, probably makes sense. Um, but a lot of us customers are SaaS 
solutions or are building SaaS solutions or are considering building SaaS solutions. So on the one end, we build custom SaaS solutions on Azure using all the Azure goodies that that we get. And over the last year, I joined the company for 13 or 40 months now. Um, I've been um, involved with doing a lot of low code and my background is M365. So what we're trying to do is to together with all the stuff that we're already building in Azure to introduce whether we call it fusion development or not, or introduce the fusion development approach. And if you look at what you see happening in Azure is more and more services that you can turn on, that you can use, that you can, uh, well, stop bothering with all the technical details and just start using. Um, and we see the same thing happening in M365. So what we believe is that fusion development is where it's starting to get interesting because why would you bother building the gazillionth login prompt if you can use Azure Active Directory? Or why would you build your own interface to render line charts or bar charts if you can use Power BI? So that's for us, uh, let's say, cool stuff. We we really hope to do mission critical stuff. So we we help customers with uh, with solutions, what we call mission critical, meaning that if it breaks, there is a problem. So that's always a good incentive to don't make any errors and uh, and get stuff live. Maybe now, to take a step back, uh, why your customers who are, I guess, ISVs, right? Right? Is that the right way to look at it? Um, some of them are ISVs. We also have customers who are, um, let's say, they 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 have a a product, a physical product, and are considering moving into the cloud or extending that product with cloud-enabled services. So right. not necessarily ISV, but more product companies. Right. So why do they? What is the benefit that they see to integrate their apps with M365? Beginning with the why. <laughs> So, yeah, let, yes. let's start with that. So, so what we see is there are companies who are starting out on Microsoft technology, either because someone there heard from Microsoft or is aware of Microsoft or they're all using stuff that is in the Microsoft ecosystem. So that's, let's say, type one company already doing stuff in Azure and are like, oh, wait, we know .NET, we know Azure, we might want to use those components. What we also see is customers who are not necessarily in the Microsoft stack, but might have done things with Microsoft technology, .NET. Or, and those are two types of distinct customers. They have different needs and, and different requirements. But as soon as there's, let's say, a hint of Microsoft already attached to a product or a service, it really starts making sense. because one of the things that we try to do is not to reinvent the wheel. So you probably start with single sign-on, Azure Active Directory, identity, which is really interesting because once you're in that Active Directory, then you can start thinking about maybe you want to do custom connectors with low-code. Maybe you want to expose your solution within Teams or in the app source for that matter. Maybe you want to integrate M365 search experience and what we see there is that the discussions that we have a lot is we build websites, portals, all kinds of, of things where the first step is never we want to do things in the M365 world. It's just we need a solution. But once it 
once it's there, then the next question is going to be, can you start thinking with us how we can expand our reach? And one of the things, if you have a solution and you're trying to remarket your own solution, why wouldn't you put it in AppSource? Because all of a sudden there's a lot of M365 users out there who might be then able to use your solution. Or there's a lot of users that are now using low code. I mean, you see the Gartner reports where they say like 75% of, of all software will have a low code component within 2025. Well, why wouldn't you invest in some low code integrations in your platform as well? Because then all of a sudden people can use it without um, or w with a bit more ease. And that's uh, for a lot of companies, the why they would want to invest in, in integration. So exposing their application as part of whatever the business solution is, what the end users are building using the Fusion Dev model is that, yeah. yeah. The connectors model is of course the the, the way of doing this. Uh, one way of doing that, and there's there's multiple other ways of doing that as well. Probably connectors is the easiest way to do that. Is that the right way of saying that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say it always starts with making sure that you have single sign-on with the Azure Active Directory. That's like step one. And then step two is either integrate within Teams or integrate with low-code. And Teams could be as easy as just making sure that the app is iframed. And I'm, I'm, I'm cursing a bit here, but uh, just having it as, as an app in Teams, it, it, yep. you don't have to change too much on your infrastructure on your app. You can just expose it. And yep. that's an easy easy win as well as, as the connectors. Yeah, I guess that uh, before we go, well, like, I, I just just coming back on the Azure AD thing. Uh, I, I still remember when I was working as as a consultant in the Microsoft Consulting Services uh, many many moons ago. Um, that was still that's been a while. But at that moment, we were still kind of hunting down on getting all of the customers to Azure AD. And obviously, that's kind of that penetration percentage is, is high enough. That's no longer really a growth area. And uh, now it's more about okay, now we are here. What does it mean? Um, but do you do you have a lot of customers who are not in Azure AD, and then you start from there, or is it is we, it already? We that still see dark? we still see customers not being on on M365 or or Azure AD. Um, I, I don't know what the actual penetration rate of M365 in the Netherlands is, but it it's feels like it's like Netherlands. ninety percent <laughs> or something. Like most yeah. customers that we encounter have that yeah. uh, have that already. Um, what we see is that there are software vendors out there who started out doing only AWS or only yeah. uh, Slack integrations. Like the, they're not into the Microsoft ecosystem. But even those are now approaching or are now having discussions saying, hey, what can we do to at least make our app available on those platforms rather than staying away from it? They are slowly at least embracing what is what is possible. That's this, that's what we see, at least. And in a way, I'm not sure if that's repre representative because in a way, well, we're doing a lot of Microsoft, so they probably wouldn't call us if they want to do some other yeah, integration. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Good point. But but uh, the team's usage all up worldwide is so high that people are basically saying, okay, we've been focusing now on Slack, but yeah, we well, what is that team's thing? What if we would also expose our application over there? Now, yeah. for those who don't know, and I kind of know this question, how hard it is to expose the application in Teams? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I have to be honest. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it's so long. <laughs> I'm, I'm a consultant, so it, everything depends. Yeah. 
I would say that um, it depends how much money you have, right? How far you want to do the integration. If you um, (laughs) if you are having a Let's say if you have a, a solution where you have single sign-on with Azure Active Directory, exposing it into Teams is pretty straightforward. If you want to integrate the more advanced scenarios, think about adaptive cards, think about messaging extensions, then it becomes a bit harder. You have to do a bit more work. And well, saying it becomes harder is not necessarily the right way. You have to do more work. If it's just exposing it as an app, then it's it's really, really straightforward. Yeah. Well, so on that note, what I wanted to ask, is what kind of type of integration do you see the most with your audience and customers you work with when it comes to teams? Do they really lift and shift the whole app as a tab or are they really interested more in, you know, the uh, contextual experience as it's called with messaging extensions and bots that are really a part of the, the chat? Uh, that's that's where it gets a bit weird. Uh, the the easiest way is just exposing your app as a tab. That's like straightforward, easy. We see a lot of customers um, who are are doing that. What we also see is that customers who are having, let's say, more advanced software being built. Let's say. Um, I, I want to build a a learning solution, or I want to build another complex technology, then it makes sense to leverage all of the Teams integration. So you might want to do um, messaging extensions, or if you want to do something with e-learning, you might want to integrate into meetings as well. So you're going to do a meeting extension. If you have notifications in your application, then it definitely makes sense to do adaptive cards and send those as notifications. So it's, um, again, it depends a bit. It's not the answer that's the easiest. Um, to be honest, doing tabs obviously is always almost like the, the 101. You always start with that because that can be live fairly quick and you can grow from there into better integrations. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Now, let's go practically. Okay, I'm an IS, ISV, I'm a SaaS provider. I have an application. I want to expose that with a tab. What do I need to do? How hard is it? You said that it's do easy. Already, what does it mean? It depends. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do some questions there. Do you already have Active Directory integration? Um, that's actually a good question. I, I guess from a, that really depends, uh, to be honest. I, I can guess that, let's say no. So. Okay. okay. If you don't have Active Directory integration, then this, the first step would to be to well start thinking about, okay, do we need that for our solution? Because then you have single sign-on experience. Or do we accept that if you build a team step that you might need to sign into that tab again yep. if you if you go there? So that so would that's be not a requirement, one. first of all, just to kind of, uh, yeah. you don't have to have that, right? No, 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 you don't have to. But to be honest, the best experience would be if you would have that. I mean, Absolutely. single sign-on Absolutely. is 2023, something that most users would expect you to, to have, I would say. From there, then you've got a few options. You can do everything yourself. You can use the PNP uh generator that there is to generate a teams app or you can uh you can build everything yourself i mean that, that's up to you but in the end a teams app is nothing more than uh, a zip file containing some some json two icons and uh a azure active directory application registration that might be used by the tab and that that requires some configuration so i, I can't say whether it's a day or a week's worth of work but it's not 
it's not months of development work if yeah, you just it's, want to have that. It's better not to make public statement on, no, no, it's only two hours. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. our estimate is, you said two hours. You, yeah, two yeah. Hours. <laughs> I learned from However. that mistake. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess it is, it is like, it's, as you say, right, in the end, it depends. What is it that you're after, right? Because, because like putting your whole app into an iframe, yes, it's an easy tick. You can say we're in Teams, but... Is this really the optimal ex experience for users? Maybe, maybe not, right? So maybe there are other scenarios that are more leaning uh, themselves towards other things like a messaging so, extension where you can use the app directly within the context of a chat, right? So again, it depends, right? Yeah, and there, there we would go. Let's say you have a custom learning solution, then it way, makes way more sense to integrate another topics compared to, let's say you want, I don't know, uh, I want to book lunch, then having a lunch app as a tab, which is just an iframe where I can say yes or no, might be sufficient if, if like I'm at that level of maturity. If yeah. I'm uh, a Gen X company where everyone is like 24, then a chatbot might make more sense. Yep. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Now, can we back on what we, we talked about and uh, started discussion on Fusion Dev and, and a Fusion Dev is obviously growing term and low code, no code, all of that. But what what does the Fusion Dev means in practice? Is that a is that a real opportunity for partners to look into? Is there business there? Are you making we're money? Betting ah. on, <laughs> we're betting a company on it. First things yeah. first. What what do you see as that's a good question? Fusion Dev, right? Because like otherwise, like we will like people will assume their own things. It's like yeah, but it, and we kind of end up arguing, not being aware that we're talking about a different thing. So let's sure. start Fair start point. with definition first. So for me, if you look at, uh, I think Microsoft did a white paper about it where they say you've got makers and you've got developers, pro developers, and, and those two people are uh, together talking about fusing development. For us, the way that we pitch it is that there's actually three or maybe four roles. You've got makers, and makers is a group of people or are a group of people who are happy to tinker a bit with technology. And typically, that are not necessarily only people who are using the power platform. They could be people who are really good at Excel or making really complex calculations in Excel. Could be people who are still using SharePoint designer workflows. So there is a, a bunch of people out there who are, yeah, I, I know, but there are there. There is a bunch of people out there who are like um, experimenting themselves, like to, like to play around with what's possible. They're typically pretty self-reliant, figuring things out and making things happen. Then there is, let's say, a bunch of people we like to call business users, and there are people they're just using technology. They're happy to use it, but they're not necessarily people who can come up with a uh, solution if it breaks. And then you would have the developers, and whether that's pro developers or maybe even IT pros or, or architects, but that, that's a role that you need sometimes as well. And those three, or if you want to do IT pro and architect as a separate thing might be four, but those are for us fusion developers. The, um, let's say range of people who are using an app, who are using the technology already present to configure solutions versus the people who can actually create stuff if it's not ready 
there. So let's say within low code, you're missing something. You might want to do custom components. You might want to do custom connectors. Anytime the word custom pops up, then you'll probably need a developer. And if you're in an enterprise organization, you might need an architect to make sure that things like governance and ALM are configured according to the business needs as well. Yeah. So for us, that's uh, that's fusion development. And yeah, what we... Question? Yeah, no, no, but yeah, kind of. Please continue to finalize your <laughs> sentence. <laughs> so, so, so what we what we see is that there is really a lot of interest in in the market around. Hey, um, we see all these types of advantages of using low code. Uh, time to to develop or time to market. Uh, all, th- all all kind of things around security are are being taken care of. Well, that's not always completely true, but a lot of things are are in the box and, and you can use them versus with full code, you need to use frameworks, depend, be dependent on frameworks, have your own best practices, which is all fine and well. But if it then takes a bit longer to get something live, then low code could be a good uh, alternative. And what we see happening is that a lot of customers are uh, at least asking questions about that, saying, hey, yep. we see this happening in the market. Does it make sense for us or doesn't it? And there are a lot of edge cases where it still makes sense to do full code development. I mean, we've got quite a lot of people who are still doing that. But what you see happening more and more is that like 80 or 90 percent of the solution can be full code. But as soon as someone starts talking about reporting, okay, let's do Power BI with the Power BI embed. Or if we're talking about workflows, hey, maybe we can do that with Logic Apps or maybe we can use it with Power Automate. If we're talking about you're building a SaaS solution and you want customers to customize specific things, you could say, oh, build your own power app. Good luck with that. These are the connectors. Build your own screens and, and well, go ahead and have fun. That's actually kind of a good way of also defining the the, the power platform or the no-code, low-code, let's say, movement, which is all about, um, it's actually, you, can, you might actually kind of say that Power Apps is a mature enough platform, so it's configurable enough for the business users for their purposes. But that doesn't mean that we wouldn't need the developers and we wouldn't need the, is it the IT pros or architects who are defining the rules and uh, defining the connectors and everything else. So Julia Casper was in the show uh, before our holiday break, and we were just talking about this kind of a, the kind of a three, actually three different people. So it's not just the random end user from HR is like, yeah, I'm going to be an our developer. No, 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 <laughs> certainly, probably not. I mean, in some cases, it could be, who knows. Uh, but it's quite often that there's the pro developers who are then creating those connectors and reusable, configurable bits and pieces based on then the architect role, which is defining the rules and ALMs and CADCI, whatever the, the corporate yeah, yeah. Uh, governance in place which are then exposing subset of those services and, and configurable options for the builders. So it's it's actually a good way of thinking that as a three different sections, so to say. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. And we see that that is in the Netherlands, it, that's coming. A lot of companies are yeah. experimenting with it, are, are now moving slowly on that path. And that's a good now, thing, I guess. Now, as a, a, a um, classic uh, legacy SharePoint person, um, isn't this exactly what SharePoint did? You had the pro developers creating web parts, and then you had the content editors and site builders, and who were basically then configuring the web parts and doing make things happen. So, 
kind of. So, so what we um, <laughs> what we typically do in our sales pitch is we start with a few slides on what we believe low code is. So one of the slides that is in there is that for us, low code has nothing to do with the power platform, at least not in the way that we position that slide. We always say, okay, when you start thinking about low code, it, it typically misses some proper governance. It misses some ownership. There is no documentation. There are a lot of things. And that's for us what where we see a risk with low code. If you don't don't take care of that, then you will have a problem there. And that for us is typically the same that we saw in SharePoint. We could go rampant creating, I don't know, completely relational database models in SharePoint lists with lookup yes. columns. Don't and do, that. That, Don't do that, that. That's all fine if you like 10 records. If you've got more, you're going to have a problem. So when you talk about low code, successor might be a, a too big of a leap. But yeah, definitely. It's the same, I don't know, Excel macros. There were a lot of yep. people good at building Excel macros. Is it a sustainable model? Not sure. Especially not in 2023. In third level, yes. But, but at, yeah. at that point, let's say 10 years ago, it really made sense to build some macros, if, yeah. if, um, automate the repetitive tasks. So yeah, yes. do a macro. Um, and, and and I think maybe the difference there is right that I think the biggest promise that we have in Power Platform are connectors, right? And the ease that yeah. with which we can connect to LOB meaning other systems outside. In SharePoint, you yeah. could do it in the past with BDC and all of that, but it wasn't as simple, to be honest. It BCS. wasn't as simple to BCS, BDC, depending which version we're talking, right? Like <laughs> Fair where point. in the Fair past point. we are. Um, so right, so you could say, yeah, oh, you could you could say that the success of the Power Platform in, in part has to do with the fact that everyone can just get started. I mean, you don't have to have a degree. If, you, if you're if you able to read a few sentences, there is a lot of learned material to get your first flow. I don't know, automate some processing of your email or automate something in your calendar. Really, really easy to get started. And then you can grow from there to rebuild it or share it with some colleagues. And all of a sudden it's team owned. And I think that the next thing is, and you see that happening, that a lot of the announcements that you have now around the Power Platform are, let's say, the enterprise level. So that's the next big step, growing yep. from me to your team to a real enterprise solution. And that's, for me, where Fusion development starts. If you're building something that only runs for you, you're probably not going to build too much custom code. I'm, I mean... I probably would because I'm a developer and I like to play with things, but a typical user wouldn't probably do that. If it's starting to be shared within a team, then you'll probably reuse some of the stuff that's built on the enterprise level, whether yep. it's teaming or custom connectors. And then when you go to the enterprise level, that's where really Fusion development starts to take off. An enterprise architect might say, hey, we're going to expose this system. We need custom connectors for that. Or... Yep. We want to do more with Power Pages. So we're going to invest in having some Power Pages templates available that we can use as a sample scenario. I think the interesting part is, right, because like we, as you said, it's really easy for everybody to start, whether it's building a Power App or a Flow, right? <laughs> so it's really easy to start, but we've probably all seen 
like really elaborate examples to the point where people are building physics engine in power apps or people have like really complex flows that don't fit on a single screen on a really big screen right so in a way to paraphrase you know a movie we probably all know like a license to use power apps is also in knowing when not to use it so where do you yeah. see a place where you should like if you want to do this you should stop think again think twice if that's really what you what you want to do because there will be be a consequence down the road can i answer this it no. depends it depends no no it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't I, well, I think that there are it, I, I think it depends on a customer it well, as well i don't know so i don't know either but what we see is that in a way it has to do with sizing and scaling it has to do with licensing it has to do with available resources so yeah, yeah in that way it does depend there are scenarios let's say pick power pages it's a really awesome tool but it can become pretty pricey depending on how many users will sign in into your solution now if you've got 10 developers benched doing nothing it probably is cheaper to let them build something hosted in Azure because you've got Azure B2C and the only thing you'll need to do is build your own custom logic. If you don't have those resources or you expect, I don't know, someone signing in every two or three days and you might have a, mo a maximum of 100 uh, concurrent users, then it's probably cheaper to use Power Pages. It's the same with, uh, for me, Power Automate versus Logic Apps. There are things you cannot do in Logic Apps because there are connectors in Power Automate that are not available in Logic Apps. At the same time, it might require you to do premium Power Automate stuff, which is a premium license. So then it might be cheaper or you might want to switch from premium to a consumption-based model. So like any, I would say, software project, there's licensing, there's resources, there is timing constraints and all those constraints determine whether it will be i don't know power automate logic app whether it might be a custom function or a docker container running something so do you do you have a, then a framework or a process to define that so is there some sort of way kind of a tips on how would you define is it a need a regex no then don't yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, for, for ourselves, we have sort of a decision tree when to use what. Uh, yep. We've been discussing that for the last six months that we should do a few blog posts about that. So that's still that's still on the list. There is a lot of content out there that you can use to map what you need. Um, but yeah, it, it would be interesting to see, hey, I've got this problem. What would fit best to this solution? Yeah, yeah, and I think like the aspects you mentioned, like things like pricing the license and all that, that these are important and also things like skills. But then the thing that I aimed for at initially was really the complexity part, right? Imagine that money isn't isn't a relevant aspect. Let's assume that you could build a game in Power Apps. Should you do that? I don't think so, right? Because at some point you will hit the limits. Right. So, so, so well, yeah. let's rephrase that. You probably can build Flappy Bird in a Power App, and <laughs> Flappy Bird. Oh, we should put a link in the show notes. What? To Flappy you Bird. don't know what is a Flappy Bird? What? Okay. Um, Where? Wow. Okay. Edge so Flappy Bird <laughs> was this. Okay. The, the, uh, let's say this is uh, interesting lore. 
Uh, Flappy Bird was a game, and this I think it was a uh, an Indian guy who built it, but I'm not 100% sure. And he made like millions a day on just ads running in the game. Um, the idea is that there is this bird. The bird is in the screen, and if you press a button, the bird goes up a bit and then slowly goes down again. Gotcha. So understood. What, yeah, you have to. Go through an obstacle course. It's kind of like Mario, but then with the birds. There's yeah. one button you can press, the space button, or you can tap your it screen. Goes up a little and then yeah. it drops yeah. by itself. Yeah, yeah, you need to fly between two things. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And the whole goal of the game was to last as long as possible and make the end and see what happens. So you could build that in, in power apps, and it, it wouldn't be too complex to do that. Um, it's still, it is complex, I know, but compared to, I don't know, building. Uh, I, I think I saw Wolfstein 3, 3D being built in uh, uh, by someone like like a 3D-ish game. I was like, holy crap, this is insane. I, I think yeah. it was Embed, but but still. The, so <laughs> yeah. So th there are really really complex scenarios that you can build, yep. and I agree on that. That's probably a fun case for you to experiment with, but I'm not sure if that's best practice to do within your organization yeah flappy bird for work yeah, yeah. how many <laughs> projects you can keep in the air and you like one cute um now coming on on and would you have kind of a let's say top three tips on defining is it a pro code or low code what would be the the what comes to mind? If it's a we duck, didn't prep at all. Box, la, 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 <laughs> duck. It looks like a duck. Is a duck. <laughs> um, question no. one we always ask. No, 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 I do. No. Question yeah, yeah, one fine. we always <laughs> ask is, is is timing. So when does it need to go live? Yeah, uh, yes, that that's an interesting one. Always right. Uh, step <laughs> like yesterday. Yep. Uh, there, there's no budget. It has to be free. Uh, yes. that, that, no. So one is timing. Two is we try to get some feeling about the technical complexity. And that is for us to do with how many screens, how many data, what are we trying to do with the data? Um, because one of the advantages that you have in the Power Platform, if you use Dataverse, is things like data flows and all kinds of business rules you can apply to your data. Um, so if it's like a business solution, then it definitely makes sense. Uh, and we try to uh, understand who will be using the solution. So is it if, if it's like sort of a website where someone can fill in a form, then the Power Platform might not necessarily be the best way to use. If it's a internal application, then it might work. If it's a SaaS solution, then probably won't be um, yeah. Power Platform either. So we try to get some feeling around that. That's what we typically do in an intake to to let's say pitch whether it will be low code. If it's not going to be low code, we always will pitch the fusion development approach. But because if you're using Azure, then you can still make sure that there are custom connectors available, that things like logic apps are being used, just to prevent that you have to reinvent everything. Yeah. So it's not a one-off implemented for that scenario. It's more flexible for future yeah. adjustments and all C of that. Next Consultancy. 
makes sense. Now, um, and then let's come back on the on the one question still, which which we ask or one uh, which I'm too many questions ahead. Is this really a partner opportunity and business? Is there money on it? Uh, is that a because you actually you defined it really nicely that it's not necessarily for your customers and for your project. It's not that you just enable the f f uh, fusion dev. You actually do the whole project potentially as well. But then isn't that so, kind of a devaluing the whole point of the customer being skillful enough to do that? So how do you how do you approach this? So what we see is that things like um, the starter kit or center of excellence, uh, landing zone things, that are all things that you can help a customer with just to get started. Once that is in place, you can help them. And that's something we don't do, but we see companies doing on the adoption side of things. So growing their low code practice. And then the interesting things happen is that a company starts building their own solutions, but because as a partner, you see so many different solutions and different customers, you have, let's say, a broader insight in what is possible or what is best practices, what would work. So what we see happening is from time to time, we get asked back to assist or review things that they've been building, or we get, call, get a call saying, oh, we've got this massively complex solution that we need to build. Can you have a look at it? Edit whether it makes sense. So we had a customer calling around SAP integration and they want to do custom dynamic pricing based on AI models in Azure. And they were like, oh, that Azure and, and SAP don't integrate the way that we want it. Can you build a an intermediate app where we could pull in data from both and you can have some screens where you could say, oh, I want this and that, and then and then write it back to SAP. And we're like, that, that sounds like a, a pretty good opportunity for local because all the Technical complexity is either in Azure or in SAP. And of course, we'll need to build complex screens and you'll need to think about the UX and the way it works. But in a way, it's just business logic being built. And that's really, really easy or easy. That's really where the power platform shines. So yeah. for that, that definitely makes sense. Well, and I guess, and also in our aspect to add to that, especially for our devs, another part where it shines is off. If there's yeah. one thing that is really the hardest thing on earth, is off like like getting the right thing to authenticate like it takes a lot of time to do it right yeah and in power platform you have a connector it's like a few clicks and it's there and it does the whole all off and tokens and refreshing for you so even as a dev it makes perfect sense like you build yeah. an api that is uh, be behind aad like on azure you can do it really easily without any code right so you can put in front easy auth attach it to your AAD and you have now API behind AAD within your arc, yeah. right? And then how to, to connect to it? Well, from Power Platform, you build a connector and that's just all off, but you don't need to fiddle with that. You don't need to yep. find a way to get a token and refresh it. Like you don't need to do any of that, right? So that is a great opportunity that, that I think many developers don't realize that it's there available, right? It's the same with if you're a SaaS company, you built your API already, you can put an API management before it and then just press a single button and you have your custom connector. Yep. Even that. There you go. Now, one last question before we need to uh, close up from a time perspective. Best it's the third last question. Perspective. <laughs> yes. Um, now, we, we did talk about this with Julia Kasper as well, um, and, but you're from a partner side. Uh, the question is, do we need pro developers within a five years or not? Yeah, definitely. 
at least I'm, I'm, I'm a pro developer. So there will always be development. <laughs> I don't believe that we'll, we'll stop completely with development. Yes, yeah. there will be pro developers, period. Yes. Absolutely. And, and and by the way, absolutely. I think me and Waldek are in a complete <laughs> same conclusion with this because you will, we know that the required number of developers is going exponentially up. So basically the low code is addressing that demand, but it doesn't mean that we would have less pro developers um, because the amount of required pro developers are actually going up as well. So it's, it's well, just a think, addressing that demand really, within the ecosystem as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be two things, right? Like for one, we're raising the bar, right? Because um, so much cool tech is available. And I mean, we already see it with the chat GPT, right? Like so yep. many cool yeah. things can be done without you having necessarily the skills beyond writing the right prompt, right? Yep. So yep. we, in other words, the tech that we have available to us raises the bar with the things that we can now build. Yep. Yeah. Two, because of the tech available, more things will be built. So more yeah. problems in the business will be optimized and automated, but then devs will have still need and capacity to build more complex things, right? So if one, I think it's it's great because it frees developers and limited resources that they have and the unique skills that they have to work on truly complex things as opposed to centering div on a page. Yep. Yeah. So so when I started, I think like like 15 years ago, so even longer. Um, I think that the first five or six projects that I did, I had to build a birthday web part in SharePoint. Uh, so I think I built it Service like five side. times, yes. like, like yep. okay. And that has been changed over the years when PMP came around and all of a sudden all I had to do was rather than building that web part, I could download it and upload it. And then, ooh, I've got my birthday web parts. And then there was like, okay, 10% of the customers wanted to do some minor tweaks. So you would still have to pull the code. But it's not that I spent less time working for those customers. I yep. just spent less time building a birthday web part and could build customer-specific requirements or yes. business-related yes. problems could be tackled rather than spending money on listing who had their birthdays the coming week. Yep. So yep. I see the same happening with, with low-code. It's uh, the abstraction layer basically moving again on, on certain levels, so making it... The abstraction. Ha, see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Cool. Anyway, thank you, Abby, for this one. Uh, good to catch up, uh, um, and we'll catch you on the show again. Uh, what, is, what was it, 150th episode between that one? Yes, uh, something like that. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. We were on 10 and 79. We're on 192 yeah. now, so in 120 episodes, meaning, meaning over two years. No, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you back on the show but good to catch up uh, really really cool to have a discussion on the on the local topics as well and and all the best cool. for the for the business as well thank you very much it was fun catching up thank you cheers and Bye. now we'll cheers. jump to the uh, weekly articles um i think we have some news this week this time which is good so we? we'll get it back from the holiday break yes. but let's jump on those with the wild deck <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Abby, one more time uh, on the on the discussion and good to catch up as well. And and I, I it was an, actually an interesting coincidence. This wasn't really a plan that this was uh, the previous episode was with Julie, uh, Julia, and we talked about almost the same topic, actually. Uh, so because Fusion Dev, it's good to get, get the basically two perspectives, the Microsoft perspective and then also the partner perspective on the same topic. Right. Because. Yeah. Well, I, well it, it was planned. <laughs> <laughs> 
Of course it was. It was absolutely planned, 100%. <laughs> yes. Now, let's jump on the on the weekly articles. Uh, so we do have articles from the past few weeks, uh, and we did a, a kind of a random selection of things because obviously we cannot go all of the awesome stuff that I have been going through. Um, pretty quiet, actually, from a Microsoft side uh, within the past three weeks, which is understandable. Um, but at least in a developer blog, we had this awesome announcement. Um, can you talk about, well, like, what is Microsoft Craft Developer Proxy Preview 0.3? Yes, definitely, I can, right? So last year, I think it was beginning of December, we released a community preview of Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy, which is a tool that allows you to model API errors. And originally that was on Microsoft Graph. In version 0.3, which we released last week, we extended that to basically any API, whether Microsoft Graph, SharePoint REST, CSOM, or any custom API you might have, you can use this tool to model 429, throttling, 500 errors, basically any kind of error that your app reasonably might experience in production. Yep. And that you wanna test your code and see, will this app handle hastily these errors the way it's intended to, right? Because yep. like oftentimes well, what we see is that service errors are elusive. They happen but they never happen on your tenant of one. On your sure. tenant of one, developer tenant you have, things always work, which is like really hard to test your code. So with this tool, there's no more excuses to build bad apps. Yep, absolutely. Because anyway, so maybe there's something more than even than the network uh, API calls, but. <laughs> of course there is, of course there is. But at least one, you have one reason less, right? Because Correct. now you can verify Correct. Now we can when test it comes out to things. APIs. Yes. You can see and practice how your code will act when it hits yep. an API error. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Really, really cool thing. Now, the kind of a related thing as well uh, is the CLI for Microsoft 365 6.1, which is out. Um, you, you were closely involved in creating this one as well. Exactly. So the relationship is, yes, it was shipped in the past two weeks, and it's I am involved with that. Other than that, that is not related in any way. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly. Not related so, on the on the craft proxy, but um, anyway, the new version in here is now well, out Not as yet, well. though, because so we're th so just recently, and let me give you an, a bit of a sneak peek on the CLI team. We've been thinking about ways how we could include the Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy in our CI pipe so that we can verify it as yet another way to test yep. our code, right? Because like we yep. invested heavily in tests. We mock APIs, but we also want to see like, one, have we mocked everything the right way? So what yep. if there is an actual error? And two, have for everybody else who is interested in doing the same kind of reference, we can point like, hey, like if you want to bring proxy to your CI pipes to test your code, here is a reference you can look because all of that is open source. So you yep. can just have a look at our um, setup, the actions that we have in, in place, and you would be able to reuse that based on our work. So that's yep. something that we discussed past week. And we are, everybody on the team is like highly pumped about doing this. So, uh, I think it's just a matter of time uh, before that is available. But uh, getting back to CLI, in the on the last day of 2022, we did another release. So we released version 6.1 with yep. more commands and enhancements to help you uh, manage Microsoft 365 and your SharePoint framework projects. 
And a few big areas that we we tackled uh, this time around was adding support for upgrading your SharePoint framework projects to the recently released version 1.16.1. Yep. We've added um, more power platform commands to help you do more stuff in that area. And then another one cool uh, addition is the markdown output. So if you want to have a way to document your setup or your farm or whatever else you do, you can now get a report in MD, right? So imagine the list of your whatever you have, sites, accounts, lists, whatever artifact you might have on Microsoft 365, you will get an output in markdown format directly from CLI. Yep, really, really cool. Uh, good to have the latest version available for sure. A lot of, lot of cool stuff in here. Now, on the developer on the Microsoft 365 platform community block, uh, we started a new daily series, which is going to be running through January uh, on business days uh, around SPFX. We're not going to go through all of this, um, but there's a first five uh, articles in place, which are basically talking about the SPFX and, and how you can use that and the different nuances of that, starting with a what is it and then how do you get started, uh, referencing uh, documentation, videos, assets, uh, all of that stuff, which is available uh, within our location. Just to kind of a recap, what was this all about? Because quite often you, you we kind of forcefully, force, uh, accidentally focus on advanced scenarios, but not on the, hey, uh, I'm a new person. I need to start building something on Microsoft 365. Well, how would I do that? And this series actually goes linking through the, the previous article and always the, the upcoming article as well, or it's going to be updated when the article new article is out. So you can easily then follow up on the series afterwards as well. So it's not a time sensitive thing um, and talks about the different scenarios and things like using Microsoft Graphics SPFX solutions or what is the tenant or site scope deployment. So more stuff on this one going to be released uh, this week as well. So looking into having 21 articles by end of January on this. That's cool. Now, there was a, uh, also a great uh, blog post from Louisa Fries related on material design component library uh, for Power Apps. Um, they actually, Louisa Fries, uh, April, and uh, Robin uh, did a recently a community call demo uh, on this one as well. Uh, and basic idea here is that, well, they, they created this design model where the look and feel of the Power Apps have been improved. So, and then you can actually increase experience and make, make things better. Um, and it's all available uh, as a design toolkit uh, in the GitHub. So that's going to help on people to make good looking power apps um, using the existing components. Um, and they, of course, take contributions as well. So it, we would love to have a model where we built one or two, well, a set of controls and reusable designs together with community uh, because, you know, that's how it should be. We as a community are so, so much stronger as we build things aligned together rather than a chillion of competing messaging and all of that stuff. So really, really cool stuff. And Louisa Fries also had a, I can talk about this one and then we'll move to another section. Uh, everything. I'm just yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you're here for the... <laughs> Lucy Fries had a extend Azure AD to add pronouns to people cards component in Power Apps. So she's kind of a testing out a designs related on which are aligned with the craft toolkit, um, but in Power Apps. And you can, of course, make the Power Apps look similar as craft toolkit. You cannot use craft toolkit as such, at least for now, in Power Apps. Uh, but there's a interesting scenarios potentially there in future. And she's basically explaining how you could uh, introduce 
a uh, pronouns uh, in the card, like she, her, uh, underneath the name in here. So that's that's kind of the storyline within this blog post. What do we need to do to add that additional attribute to Azure AD user object, and how do we then expose that using the Graph APIs? So really, really cool stuff. Now, then David had an awesome announcement on Friday, which is getting a lot of attention. Absolutely. So what was that all about? Or I think since June 2021, if my memory isn't... Something like that, yes. We have program in the Microsoft 365 platform community where we issue digital badges for all different kinds of things you can do within community. Uh, whether you speak on community call, write a blog post article, submit a sample, contribute to one of the many projects that we have, it's a small way for us to give back and recognize and reward your work, right? Also for a way to, for you to be able to show that to everyone else, right? So we did that. And for this year, we, or at least we start the year with a set of new badges along more projects and more ways to recognize your awesome work. Yep. So we will have badges for list formatting sample, adaptive card extension, CLI, PNP PowerShell, community contributor, in the Microsoft 365 and Power Platform community as at large, and then Power Platform samples, sharing is carrying initiative, independent publisher for Power Platform connectors, and many, many, many more to come. So yes, exactly. they're just things you can share, and we give you to appreciate your work and recognize your work, and you can show off, you basically have a proof, right? A cool thing to show, to share with others that, yes, you've done this cool thing, and you're helping others achieve more. So this is really yep. cool. Absolutely, really, really cool. And great work on David on the designs and, and, and coordination of this one as well. So really, really awesome stuff. Now, we also had a new article, some, some new things which have happened within the past week. So Mark D. Anderson had a new blog post related on SharePoint's list and libraries, modern versus classic view settings. And this is kind of a Mark is always looking into having, can we please have everything in the modern? Uh, and for now, uh, there are certain settings and configuration options which will make you to see the classic settings and configuration options in list and libraries. And, and he's basically calling out uh, the settings where you need to fall back on classic. And this is actually going to help Microsoft uh, to then address this gap um, sooner or later. So thank you, Mark, on helping with that. Then this one is really cool. Teshuan uh, Kavarhara um, created a list form example. And oh, so actually, he shared a sample that is, that's been created by somebody else because there is a oh, created sure. by... Yeah, created X by, sorry, completely right? good point. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is a really cool thing because what you're seeing on a screen, if you're looking at the recording, right, you're seeing a Delve-like profile page. Yes. But it's built on top of a SharePoint list. So you have the data in a list, like a person info with their about projects that they do, skills, expertise, schools uh, that they completed, the badges that they have, with whom they work. Basically, a Delve-like profile page, but then built on top of a SharePoint list. That is insane. That reminds me so much about of a single page app that I've built a while back, I think with Angular, even something like 10 years ago, probably even more, right? It was basically the same thing, kind of like, hey, how could we have a richer experience to showcase a person's profile, right? Um, and then like at some point we had Delve, but now you could build a similar experience on top of a SharePoint list. That is insane. This is really yep. cool to see like how far you can take it. 
Yeah, this is, is this actually real-world production ready? No, not really. That's not intended as such. It's more on how far we can take the, the list configuration and formatting dependency um, and what's the art of possible there. Uh, related on that one, uh, the tweet actually has links to the Microsoft 365 plat uh, unified sample gallery. And from here, you can easily then access the information. So you're basically viewing a GitHub and that will then get you access on that definition, uh, internal CV, JSON, and I guess this will be a bit longer one. Uh, so, but luckily no, it's no code. No, no code, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a no code solution exactly to do things. <laughs> I have huge respect for anybody building this because oh, yeah. yes. I wouldn't know how to debug this to be honest. True, true, the really, really cool stuff. And uh, thank you Federico, uh, Sapia uh, is the, the, the person who actually provided the sample. So really, really cool stuff, so. Now, Marcus Miller had a dual plug post, um, and what I will explain what the dual plug post actually means, or double uh, samples. And but this is really about having a Microsoft Teams application exposed in a Microsoft 365 app, either the SPFX version or the, uh, the Yo Teams version, meaning the native Microsoft Teams app version. It could be just as well Teams Toolkit version. Yo Teams and Teams Toolkit versions are pretty much the same. Uh, so they're outputting externally hosted application, SPFX version is the one which is the Microsoft 365 hosted application. Um, but basically a blog post explaining how would you do that and how would you expose the, the application to be then available across uh, multiple applications and what are the settings, how do you identify where you are, how can it behave differently uh, based on the host where you're actually located. And the implementation isn't actually pretty pretty decent uh, controls and all of that implemented in here. The second one is basically the Yo Teams version. And as I said, it could be just as well Teams Toolkit. Um, it's externally hosted application style. Um, and basically, how do I create those? What are the outputs? How do I, how do, I do the implementation of that uh, in the Microsoft Teams? It's actually pretty cool that you can have almost a similar style experience. And then it's up to the developer to decide, do we need to host this externally? Do, does that provide value? Can we host that internally using SPFX um, or in Microsoft 365? What is the right way of doing things? So both of them have their own advantages and disadvantages, of course. Thank you, Marcus, on that one. Then we have an article from Leon Armstrong. Armstrong, Armstrong. Why is my tongue is in this weird format? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's not us. It's or it's not you. It is us. It's it's me. Um, so it's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, yeah, this is this article is about Microsoft syntax pay as you go configuring and analysis, and I think it's about like setting up the first steps for you to be able to use syntax and how do you set up your tenant to be able to use it? What are the different options for billing yep. and so forth and so on? So a really nice breakdown of the different options that you have to take in your tenant in Azure to get everything in place to be able to use the power of syntax. And, and again, Microsoft Syntax is the content management, automation, artificial intelligence, machine learning uh, behind the scenes. It's it's actually pretty mind blowing when you see it in action and, and the way it's going forward leaps of forward uh, with all of the new releases and features which are coming up. Um, now, 
then we had a article uh, from, let me click that one, uh, from Sud Harsan um, related on PMP React controls, part eight, folder picker. Um, so basically, how do we integrate a PMP React uh, control uh, in an SPFX solution uh, in the code level? And how does that then work in practice? And, and this demo is actually pretty cool. It's pretty small, uh, oh, but let me actually click. Can I do that one? There we go. But how you can actually do the, the the picker implementation in place and how you can access the information, how it will show a panel on the left side. Um, so these are the BMP reusable controls, uh, which will improve your productivity as a developer if you're building for SPFX. Oh, I need yep. to find a button. There we go. Now I'm out of from there. And there's an, even a sample available uh, on that. Then there was an article from uh, Michael Mallet. Why is my tongue so wrong today? Michael Mallet? <laughs> Monday. <laughs> About SPFX form customizer boilerplate. That sounds very much like, you know, you're building form customizers time and again, and every single time you do, you need to do a few different things to get really in place before you can even implement the code. And I yep. guess like this is about that. Yes, what is the correct. minimal template you need in place to effectively build a form customizer on SPFX? Question to you, why isn't that in product? Uh, why isn't that in product? That's a good question. We we should have a, a baseline components uh, from the products. Uh, we've been uh, pretty hesitant to actually provide baseline components. Uh, so for example, one of the examples being the web part title, as an example, it's it's provided through BMP controls, not through the product, uh, not to provide any two open-aided uh, implementation styles. But again, we could actually have this kind of a baseline component uh, coming from the product as well. So fair point, good feedback. Yeah. We'll see what we can do in the future. So, but really, really cool. And I know Michael is, is scheduled to actually do a live demo on this one in Community Call pretty soon as well. So, good to see that one in practice. Then we had a uh, a new sample, uh, Microsoft Teams apps sample uh, from Alex Clark and and his friends uh, related on uh, the, 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 the request a team v2. Um, really, really cool implementation. A clean setup uh, as a a Microsoft Teams application, and it actually shows the different scenarios and capabilities within the within the Teams implementation again. So these are and this is a Power App Im implemented as a Teams app yeah. or exposed yes. as a Teams app. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So which is really really cool, and this is available from the GitHub, um, and you can basically download the sample. You can have a look on the implementation and all the details. So which is really really cool. Thank you, Alex, on that one. Ah, pretty cool. Uh, then there was an article from uh, Peter Venster. Yeah, and it's not one. So this is a first part of series that he, that he has about using the Microsoft Graph API in Power Platform, right? So Microsoft yeah. Graph is the API to data and insights that you have stored in Microsoft 365, right? And you can get anything and everything through it. You can get info about users, groups, application calendars, emails, you name it tons of info available to you through this API. And Peter goes through the steps like, how would you use graph, right? When there is no connector, how can you tap really into the API to, to make an API call and get the data available in your Power Automate flows or in yep. Power Apps? Really, really cool stuff as well. Thank you for that. Then Wartman, uh, Desponde, had a blog post from a 19th of December, building Microsoft Teams app, posting message to Teams on behalf of the current user, uh, which is quite a common scenario, actually. Uh, so basically, working 
as the user as you are operating against the Microsoft Teams. Um, and how would you do that? And that implementation details. Thank you, Vartaman, on that implementation um, reference in practice. So this is basically, that's the message, but you're not posting that as a bot. You are posting that as the user, and that's the key point here. Um, you're basically working on behalf of the user, which is really, really cool scenario as well. And then we had a Wally E, Microsoft New Zero's shot text-to-speech model. Can duplicate everyone's phones in three seconds. Yes, yeah, so th that was just an announcement that we picked up on. Um, and that's an interesting thing. So apparently at Microsoft, we release or we experiment with a new text-to-speech, I guess, AI-based technology, right? Yep. That allows you to uh, reproduce speech on a very small sample of text. That's, that, that's incredible. Like imagine how productive you can get like if you need to, I don't know, uh, dub videos or record your speech on their video and narrate some stuff. Or maybe there's somebody who, who cannot read, right? And they want to read the message. But what if you could get that in, like imagine that I send you an email and you could have it read in my voice as if I was talking to you yep. as opposed to having a robot voice on everything. Yep. That's actually That's really cool. good. That, and then uh, in our Azure AD uh, profile, we should be having that uh, persona styled definition. And that means that for three seconds definition. And then that means oh, that when actually, I send you the email, you can actually yeah. ask. That's actually, yeah, but we could extend to Azure AD. In LinkedIn, we already have the ability to record like your own name in your own voice, the way yeah, yeah, you pronounce exactly. your name. That's more than enough. I don't know if it's just going to take three seconds, but like if that was kind of like a personal greet, then exactly. that already has two things, right? Because you yes. introduce yourself and the yep. same sample can be used to then generate the, the cool. order. That's actually yeah, a pretty yeah, cool yeah. idea. Hmm, we should. We, we are here the whole week. Cool. And then three more videos, and then we'll close up for the for the episode. So first of all, Paolo had a new video on hosting SharePoint Framework 1.16 web parts in Office and Outlook. So basically building uh, Microsoft 365 applications with SPFX. Uh, web part is just a well. If you come from a SharePoint world, web part kind of makes sense. It's a web part which you're exposing in uh, Outlook or in Office.com. If you don't come from a web part, uh, from a SharePoint world, web part is just it's a panel. It's a, a component. It's a, a widget. It's a widget. a widget. Widget, which is basically the component, which is then the application for Outlook and Office and, and for SharePoint and for Teams. And he talks about how to actually make that happen. So you can reuse exactly the same piece of code across the different applications. Putting you on a spot. If you don't come from SharePoint background, why would you use in a nutshell, sentence or two top, why would you care about SPFX? Well, SPFX is a industry standard technology and you are using REST stack development and it's automatically hosted with a single sign-on automatically happening in Microsoft 365. It's really the easiest way to build your React components and expose cool applications in Microsoft 365. So, Mike Pro. Yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, and then April had a new video uh, related on desk reservation power apps template, make reservations easier. And that's a really cool uh, sample as well. So it talks about the, the existing sample, which is available, how to take that into use, how that behaves and all of that stuff. It's a nice looking sample. The samples are yeah, getting yeah, better exactly. and better. Was like, so. I, I, I recall the arrow on the top left. Is Sorry, like the what? Metro UI in Windows Phone? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yes, the arrow on the yes. top? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, yes. 
Uh, but really nice looking uh, implementation as well. Uh, and that starts looking really, really cool. So cool looking application. Um, so and, and really, again, proves the fact that you can make actually pretty looking power apps. They don't have to look ugly, which unfortunately some of them do. So I think we're getting, having a lot of progress in there. And then we had a, the last video is seven great things you missed from Power Apps this year. And this is basically Shane uh, covering seven the least viewed videos from his YouTube channel, which is a clever way of getting more views, uh, by the way, Shane. Um, but it's, uh, it's actually also kind of a showcasing things what people didn't necessarily understand. Uh, what was the, the, the point of the video, the technology, what would be the benefits out of it? So good way of re reusing the, the, the videos and re using the assets and then I think he is actually yeah, he's calling out also how many views uh, some of the videos are getting so really cool stuff as well yeah cool and you, you will get double shame there we go good good excellent what's happening this week planning planning as people get back to work we can finally get uh, to planning in a sense well, not really planning, but more alignment and agreement. We planned already. We have plans in place. Now is the time to align, double check that we are still in sync and execute, execute, execute. So yep. you will be hearing more from us, or at least from me, in many ways. Like we will keep building CLI for Microsoft 365. There will be more versions coming from the Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy. And we will have some more uh, exciting content around Microsoft Graph and Microsoft Teams and Teams Toolkit. So stay tuned. And on my side, uh, quick teasers. Uh, at the time of when this video goes out, we should have already released the Microsoft Graph Pages API for preview in Microsoft Graph. And there's going to be an announcement on that one this week. Uh, we also have the new Microsoft Learn module for Viva Ace uh, development, which is going to be announced on Wednesday, so day before, day after the, this goes live, um, depending again on when you're watching this. Uh, there's going to be announcement related on Viva Toolkit and uh, a lot of other stuff actually happening. Yay. So, and as we're releasing now, if you're releasing this the say, or if you're watching this the moment we the day we release it, um, I will be presenting the, how you can use Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy in context of SPFX. Sure. And if you missed that one, it's it was recorded and it will be available as a recording exactly. in the YouTube. So it's all good. So. so don't miss it. I'd rather you attend live and ask me stuff. True, true. That's why we have the community calls so people can actually ask questions. So absolutely, it, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's a quite difference. So in some of the videos, we even have the video in YouTube and then we have the community call recording as on top of that because that's actually cool. So it's not overproduced and it's live and there's a certain yeah. amount of difference when it happens it live. Authentic. So yes, exactly. Exactly. Cool. But I guess that's it for now. Uh, we'll get back. Get, uh, we'll get back. <laughs> With a new Vesta <laughs> next, next week. I need to upgrade myself, clearly. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> new year, new you. Uh, some of my NPM packages are mixed up. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> we'll be we'll be back within a week. Thank you, Abby, one more time for the discussions, and thanks everybody for watching. Keep the feedback coming, and if you have good ideas on who would you like to see as our visitors, let us know. Uh, we'll we'll reach out and see who who we can get. Thank you for that. Thanks everybody. Yeah. Cheers. Bye bye. bye. <laughs>